Hi, this is Dave of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, and if you're a regular listener, you know that Wayne and I just completed our two-week, three-hour-plus review of the season finale of the Netflix series Dark. So with that in the can, I decided I wanted to come back to a show that I previewed in a take five well over a year ago, and that is Cinemax's Outcast. Even though the U.S. audiences had to wait well over a year to see it because it aired in the U.K. back in 2017, uh, it has returned in July of this year for its second season, and I wanted to bring you my take on the season two premiere. Now, a few things. You definitely want to watch the episode first because there are a lot of spoilers, and some of the references won't make sense unless you have seen the episode. And so with that out of the way, Alice Cooper notwithstanding, anytime viewers patiently wait well over a year for the return of a favorite television series, expectations predictably run high. Outcast Cinemax's adaptation of the Robert Kirkman and Paul Azaceta comic series, however, does not disappoint returning for its sophomore year with a season premiere that continues to assault our sensibilities as Kyle Barnes and John Anderson carry on their quest to rid Rome of an evil that no one truly still understands. Of course, viewers expecting answers from Bad Penny, the season two premiere, are likely to be left a little bit flat since part of Outcast's appeal lies in the fact that viewers remain just as confused, frustrated, and horrified as the show's central characters. The opening title sequence, while subtly changed this season, continues to provide a disorienting view of a town whose inhabitants teeter on the brink of moral and emotional corruption. Are we really seeing what we think we see? Awkward camera angles in dimly lit interiors askew with muted colors consistently reinforce the discomfort viewers feel watching Kyle, played by Patrick Fugit, and the others maneuver through this minefield of evil while the thunderous sound effects and menacing music impact the experience, preventing the audience from getting too comfortable. Nonetheless, that we don't learn anything more about the black thing begins to become somewhat problematic. I mean, we don't need all the answers, but one or two details to point us in the right direction would be nice. The flashback to 1986 Rome that opens Bad Penny, while certainly fascinating, doesn't really provide anything concrete to latch on to. Are we shown this because it's a pivotal scene in young Kyle's life when his mother first encounters the evil, in this case manifested by the lone customer in the diner? Does the woman seated in the diner influence the waitress to impale her hand on the nail that holds the customer receipts? Right off the bat, we're reminded that we really don't know too much about what's actually transpiring in Rome and beyond. Clearly, Kyle and Anderson represent the show's focal points, but the return of Chief Byron Giles and his wife Rose provides welcome support and stellar acting as Rose steps confidently into the fray to mind the children and watch over Megan, who now finds herself unable to cope with the circumstances surrounding Mark's death. When the chief answers a call to a break-in at a local restaurant, the same one from the opening scene, leading to a pursuit of an infected young man, we get a disturbing look at just how controlling this evil can be as the man goes over a barbed wire fence, oblivious to the pieces of his own flesh left behind in the barrier. Is there something significant about this diner? 
Now, as season one ends, it's not entirely clear whether Kyle runs away to protect his daughter or as a testament to his resignation in the battle against an evil he's now certain he can't defeat. It doesn't take him long to find the answer to a question the audience has wrestled with for a while now. I mean, how widespread is the evil that heretofore we've only seen plague Rome? Kyle and Amber get two states away before discovering that they were everywhere, sensing who or what he is, prompting their return to Rome. But why? Admittedly, John Anderson and Giles remain the only ones who believe Kyle's story and help him directly fight the evil. But does Kyle Barnes return to Rome because of a sense of obligation or because he needs to, once and for all, face his destiny? Now, while Kyle has certainly weathered more than his fair share of heartbreak, watching Trisha hang missing signs on street poles after her son has disappeared marks one of the episode's more poignant encounters. Second-guessing herself for forming a relationship with Anderson when Rev agrees to help her find her son, it sets up the inevitable confrontation when the truth eventually comes out that he set the fire that claims Aaron's life. Rapidly running out of options as the bodies and souls mount up, Kyle returns to his boyhood home, a home that continues to haunt him and Megan. But it's the evocative image of his sister's reflection in the window as she watches Kyle and Amber embrace before he sets out to put his plan into motion that even reminds us of the demons Megan faces if she's ever to put her life back together after Mark's death. And that's what's so powerful about the scenes featuring Megan and Holly. They represent the collateral damage left in Kyle's wake, and despite his pure intentions, their lives will never be the same. They'll forever carry scars resulting from the unintended consequences of Kyle's noble battle. Now, one of the more intriguing aspects of Outcast has been watching the writers handle Reverend John Anderson's descent down the rabbit hole as his congregation stands by unable and unwilling to help the man bent on saving not only their souls, but their lives. And while his divorce from the church offers closure on one level, he is, at the end of the day, a man of God who will do whatever it takes to rid the world of the devil's influence. But that's just it. How far does Sidney's influence extend? And again, who or what is Sidney? Anderson's been fired as preacher, and ironically referring to Sidney, he speaks the truth that he's the only person who knows what this is. So when Anderson admits he tried to kill Sidney, Kyle's confusion rings true, but it's Sidney's revelation that he and Kyle are from the same place that leaves us wondering what's next. Surely, as Kyle imparts, that can't mean they're both from hell, but where then? Heaven? Having seen a flyer advertising a church called The Beacon, Anderson goes to investigate, and watching his battered car drive down the path reminds us of the beating Anderson has taken in his fight against Rome's evil presence, now that we know stretches well beyond West Virginia's borders. What he finds on the surface appears to be a small congregation singing a nondescript hymn in a rundown barn providing a welcome contrast to the tension-filled soundtracks that typically accompany scenes in Outcast, But this respite is likely temporary as the eerie music appears, making it even more likely that this represents a smokescreen of some sort. Sanderson being set up, lured in by Sidney, who seems to have a connection to this group. 
And as Rev leaves, a female member confronts his curiosity, telling him, we've seen the darkness and are ready to take our place in the light. The season premiere does a credible job of laying the groundwork for several arcs moving forward and reminding fans of those still in the fight no matter which side they support. The fire chief has played an often overlooked yet vital role in this tale, and we've seen how Sydney's evil tears apart families, but Lenny and Kat Ogden offer a more morally twisted story of a wife who runs off with the devil yet still engenders the same love and devotion she's always received from her partner. The disgraced fire chief manages to give Kyle the names of the people he rounded up for Sydney, even after he fires a bullet into his own jaw. Do we blame Ogden, who, even though he knows what Sydney and his wife are, does their bidding anyway because he loves his wife? It's this insidiousness that truly is the most horrifying aspect of the whole affair. Now, we've seen the damage the evil has inflicted on the adults, but tonight it's the devastating impact it has on the children of Rome that makes some of the scenes difficult to watch. And despite this, Amber continues to surprise. She consoles her aunt, telling her that Mark's death is not her fault because it's like you're a puppet and the black thing's pulling your strings. When Amber finds her cousin hiding from her in the attic, it breaks our hearts, yet we understand her blaming her cousin and uncle for making her mother sick. However, at the end of the day, Sydney stands as the one person able to provide the answers Kyle Barnes so desperately needs. In the meantime, though, Joshua Austin and his parents will have to do. You haven't saved anybody, just delayed the inevitable, Kyle is told. Does this refer to the merge? You can't send any more of us back, Josh's father tells Kyle, as he drains something from Kyle, a twist we've yet to see and unsurprisingly don't understand. But the Austin family's not finished with Kyle Barnes. Once we're here, there's no going back, Josh's mother tells, just after Gates shoots her husband, who has nearly beaten Kyle to death in an artfully filmed fight scene. And while the sound effects as Kyle's body slams into objects causes viewers to cringe along with Kyle, the Austin's revelations continue to drive the narrative. Reaching the end of the episode, we have clearly more questions than answers as Kyle Barnes and Reverend Anderson prepare to meet this evil head-on. Will Megan join the fight and Amber play a role? Hopefully, Team Barnes won't have to play a man down for long, but when Anderson tells Gates he's burned Sydney's trailer and killed Patricia's son, Aaron, the sheriff has no choice but to lock him up. Will Anderson be forced out of the fight, or is he the next Lieutenant Kara Thrace or Sergeant Ronald Greer, highly capable soldiers released from their cells to aid the fight for survival? The Alice Cooper classic Welcome to My Nightmare provides a fitting close to this solid season two premiere. And while Bad Penny may not give us what we hoped for, it certainly continues to engage and intrigue fans enough that next week can't come soon enough. So if you are a horror fan, I urge you to check out Outcast. It is clearly one of a kind. I am confident you won't be disappointed. So that's going to be it for this edition of Take 5. My name is Dave, and Wayne and I will see you next week when we take a look at Star Trek Continues, a fan-produced web series. Thanks for joining me. 